Father, thank you for how great your love really is. We pray that we'd see it more clearly, that you give us a hunger to know Jesus as our best friend, and that you'd show us some practical steps, things that we could actually do tonight, tomorrow morning, during the day, things that will actually help us to develop that relationship in a way that will change our lives so that we can really come to delight in you more than ever before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I've never even held something that I can recall that was that valuable. But she clutched it to her, uh, her, her, her bosom as she walked along and she was intent. She had a purpose and a plan of what she was going to do for it. She was headed through the town and as she got through the town, she found the house that she was looking for and she quietly went inside of this house. And as she went into the house, she took it and she crept around the table where there was a bunch of men sitting around a table. And she went to that one that she loved more than any other and she broke it onto him. I mean, you think about it. They said this was worth 300 days wages. Think about what you earn in 300 days of work. So I just did a little calculations. I used uh, $15 an hour because that's some of the minimum wage around here. You work 40 hours a week, let's say, uh, at minimum wage. That puts you at about $25,000 in 300 days. That's, that's a, 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 lot of, a lot of money. And, and, and Mary comes to Jesus and she, without question, without thought, she she extravagantly just just to delight Jesus, she puts this perfume on. Have you ever thought about this story and how, how this was just to bring a little joy to Jesus' heart? How it was just to... I, I mean, this is in the day when you didn't get baths very often. You didn't get showers very often. You, you didn't smell the best. Your feet didn't smell the best because you walked along dirt paths with all kinds of animals walked there too. And Jesus has this beautiful perfume that was worth so much. What, what led her to do something like that? I mean, why did she love Jesus that much? Because we talked about how God wants us to so fall in love with Him that to do things for Him, to love Him, to serve Him, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, that that, that will just be like the overflow of our love relationship with Jesus. So what was it for Mary that brought her to that place? What was it that enabled her to have that? Because we've really got to experience that in our own lives. It's really crucial that we do. Because otherwise, church is the worst place in the world to be. Let's just be honest. Look at this with me. Uh, this, this quote from Steps to Christ. Uh, if you haven't read this book, again, I just want to encourage you. It's such a powerful book to read. But Steps to Christ, page 44, says this, When Christ dwells in the heart, the soul will be so filled with His love, with the joy of communion. I mean, that means with talking with Jesus. I'm so excited about talking with Jesus. I'm so overjoyed with that. That it will cleave to Him. That's cling tightly to Him. And in the contemplation of Him, thinking about just who He is, self will be forgotten. My selfishness will be gone because I see a more beautiful picture. I see Jesus. Love to Christ will be the spring of action. That's what will motivate, what will inspire, what will get me to act will be that I have fallen in love with this beautiful person that I cannot 
get past doing anything but living for Him. Those who feel the constraining love of God aim at perfect conformity to the will of their Redeemer. With earnest desire, they yield all and manifest an interest proportionate to the value of the object which they seek. And they're all in because they look and they see Jesus is of infinite value and they, they can't imagine anything else but having Jesus. And then look at this. A profession of Christ. Okay, so that's to, to say, hey, I believe, I, I, I confess Christ, I go to church. A profession of Christ without this deep love is mere talk, dry formality, and heavy Amen. drudgery. <laughs> I was saying like, hey, church is the worst place in the world to be if you're not falling in love with Jesus. If it's not about the love of Jesus, then, then we're missing the entire point and it's going to be a drag. The good news is the flip side of that, when we fall in love with Jesus, everything changes and it becomes the most delightful thing in the world for us. So let's look at the story of Mary. I mean, you may have to piece together some of the details, but let's look at some of the verses about the life of Mary and we'll see maybe a path for us to experience the same extravagant love in our lives. So let's look starting in Luke chapter 7 and verse 37. So this describes her, and it says, Behold a woman in the city who was a sinner. Okay, so this, this story is told in all the Gospels. Most stories aren't told in all the Gospels, but this one is. In Luke, when it talks about her, it says, Behold a woman in the city who was a sinner. Somebody that was known as a sinner, and not just any type of sinner. Some people believe that the, the first time that she shows up, and she shows up being brought to Jesus as an adulterer who's being accused. People ready to throw stones at her and they say, wait, Jesus, what should we do? Moses said we should stone her and they're ready to cast stones and she's ready to be killed on the spot for being caught in adultery. And Jesus gives her mercy and forgiveness on the spot. So here she is, she's an adulterer. We learn that if you study carefully that she was probably led into maybe prostitution, adultery by her uncle. She lived this life that was very loose living. She's a sinner. That's really clear. Then we go on in Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. Mary Magdalene of whom he had cast, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So, so not only was she sleeping around, not only was she known as a loose woman, but she also had seven demons in her. And if you look at this really carefully, it's not just saying she had seven demons at one time. It's saying Jesus went to her, he cast the demon out of her, and then she went back into that lifestyle again. And Jesus went to her again and cast another demon out of her. And she went back to it again and again and again. So, so not only, Jesus is having to pursue her over and over and over and over again. She kept falling back into the same stuff. Seven demons were cast out of her. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, and we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow night. It says, a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. But the wicked stumble in time of calamity. This woman had demons inhabiting her over and over again. But Jesus delivered her again and again. Luke chapter 7 and verse 39. Talking about when this sinner is there. She is at the house of Simon. And it says this. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. 
he spoke to himself saying, he's like, okay, this, this demon-possessed woman, this, this woman who has been sleeping around, she's, she's here. He says this, this man, talking about Jesus, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. He wouldn't even let her touch him if he really knew who she was. So he must not be a prophet. He must not really understand who this woman is, or he'd keep his distance. That's how people viewed this woman. And so Jesus, really gently with Simon, the Pharisee, goes on to tell him a little story. Tells him about forgiveness and, and how one man owed this huge debt and another man owned a small debt. And he said, if they were both forgiven, which one would love the most? And so Simon realizes that the one that was forgiven the biggest debt would obviously love the most. Then it goes on to say in verse 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she, what does it say? For she loved much. Do you notice the connection there? It's saying you can know that her sins were forgiven because she loved much. Okay, now, this is being said to Simon, and Simon himself has been forgiven a lot. He's, he, he was a leper. He, he's been forgiven by Jesus, but he doesn't really recognize the grace of what God has done for him, and so he doesn't really love like this woman loves. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And he goes on to tell him, look, I came into the house and you wouldn't even wash my feet. You didn't give me a kiss. You didn't greet me like you're supposed to. But this woman, has, she has lavished love on me, so she has let my forgiveness sink in deep. Have you ever had somebody forgive you before? Have you noticed how you come to love them more? I remember this one trip where I was headed home from school and it was one of those days where I gotten in trouble again. I had gotten caught cheating on a test, and I was in trouble once again. My mom already knew they'd called home, and you know, eventually you gotta go home. <laughs> so I remember driving home, it was that long drive home, and when I got there, I'm thinking, okay, what's gonna happen when I walk in the house? You know what my mom began to do? She began to apologize to me. She said, you know, I'm sorry for how I've done this, and I'm sorry for how I've done that. And I realized something. She was totally forgiving me, and she was taking responsibility for my mistakes, and I, I developed more love for my mom through that. And I wish that I'd been so much more open and honest with her about other things, because she was quick to forgive, quick to embrace me, and yet I hid from her. And so there was a time where I didn't really love my mom, like I could have if I'd been more open to the forgiveness that she was willing to give me. When you let somebody forgive you, when you open up, when there's that openness between you, love can really take place. So we see, first of all, that Mary accepted forgiveness deeply. And so we need to accept the forgiveness that God freely offers to us. We need to let it sink in deep. Like everything in your life. Confess it to Him and let it be forgiven because He's He will forgive you for absolutely every sin. He's already died for it on the cross. So first step, accept forgiveness deeply. Now let's look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. The first time that Jesus goes to Martha's house, it says this, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet 
and heard his word. You know, it's pretty fascinating because every time that you see Mary throughout the Gospels, she's always at Jesus' feet. And this time, she's sitting at his feet like a disciple, soaking in his words. This is the place that you would always find her, listening to Jesus, listening to the words that Jesus had to share with her. But Martha was what? She's distracted. You ever get distracted? Are there a few distractions in this life? Are there a few things to, to grab your attention? Martha was distracted. And look at what she was distracted by. It was good stuff with much serving. She's fixing a meal for Jesus and his disciples. What more important thing could she be doing? But she's distracted by it. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Are you worried about a few things in your life? You got a few troubles? You're worried and troubled about many things. You're you're trying to figure out how to handle life. You're trying to figure out how to do this all. You're trying to figure out how to live your Christian life. And then he says, look, it all boils down to one simple thing. There is one simple thing. He says this, but one thing is needed. You have one job. You have one thing that you're called to do. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. There's one calling for a Christian. There's one thing that you need. You know, we could break it down in another way. We could say, John chapter 15 and verse 5 says, Jesus says, apart from me, you could do nothing. But then, you look at Philippians 4.13, what does that say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So on the one hand, I can do nothing without Christ. And on the other hand, I can do all things with Jesus. So what's left for me to do? Connect with Jesus. That's the one thing. To sit at His feet. To connect with Jesus. To develop that friendship. To fall in love with Him. That is the calling of a Christian. I mean, if we're going to make it tangible, what we can actually experience, and that is to open ourselves up to let Him speak to us. To take time to listen to Him. And we can listen to His Word every single day. We can open it up and we can look for a God of love. We can listen for his voice. So we see, accept forgiveness deeply. Take time to listen to Jesus through his word. Sit at his feet like Mary did again and again and again. Desire of Ages, page 83, says it like this. It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. Now, if that sounds super intimidating, it sounds like you would never have that time in your life, Don't be over-intimidated by that. Start with 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Start with something. And if you're already doing something, start with some more. (laughs) Try a little bit more. A thoughtful hour in contemplation of the life of Christ. Look at what it said. We, We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. So just take it all in. Grasp it. Imagine it. Try to picture it all. Then it says, as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant. We'll we'll have this constant confidence in what he's able to do in our lives. And our love for him will be quickened. That's revived or, or inspired. And we will be more deeply imbued with his spirit. You want to fall in love with Jesus? 
take time to contemplate Him as revealed in the Bible. And last night we talked about, hey, a practical way to do that is pick up the book Desire of Ages and, and, and read the Gospels along with it and just go through step by step and look at each part of His life and just take time to read and look and look and look at Jesus. If we would be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. That's another place that Mary was found. She was found at the foot of the cross with a few other women. She was there at the foot of the cross. And when we open the Bible, it needs to be constantly with a recognition of a God who loves us more than his own existence, who laid down his life, who said, I would rather that you live a happy and fulfilled life than that I exist, if that were possible. And so I'm laying down my life for you. And if we interpret the Bible by the cross, looking for Jesus everywhere in the Bible, it will come alive to us more and more and more. I love what it says in Isaiah 62 and verse 5. It says, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. You ever picture God like that, that? That He's that excited about you? How many of you are married men in here? Okay, how excited were you the night before you were going to get married? I mean, scale of like, if your wife's here, you don't have to raise your hand, right? But, I mean, scale of 1 to 10, you had to 15, right? 150. I mean, that's you're so excited that you're going to have... This opportunity, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So, back in 2008, I got the opportunity to get married. And I remember that day as I was there in front of the mirror, getting ready, getting my tux on, preparing for that wedding, trying to make sure everything... You know, there's some moments that you just don't forget. Well, my wife was in another room in her parents' house. She was getting ready with all of her bridesmaids, preparing... And then finally the moment came where we were going to go into the backyard and take pictures. We took pictures ahead of the wedding so we didn't have to make the guests wait for a long time. And we wanted to do something... Well, I shouldn't say that. The lady who prepared the flowers wanted me to do something special for my wife. She said, what I want you to do is I want for you to write her a love letter. Like a serious love letter. Just just pour it all out there. And I'm, I'm going to fold it up and I'm going to put it in a tiny little card and I'm going to slip it into her flowers. So she went out and, and to meet me out there in the yard and she was given her bouquet of flowers and there she is when she got her flowers. And there you see, she's pulling out this note out of her flowers. There you can see it says Lee on the front. My little handwriting. And there's just this simple note from me telling her how much I love her. Do you see the look on her face? That is how I want to read my Bible. Because the Bible is a love letter to you and me. It's a picture of how the God of the universe is crazy. He's head over heels for you. And He wants you to know that He's planned for your salvation. He's planned to live with you forever. That He's doing everything possible to save you. And the Bible reveals that love from cover to cover. And if we're really reading it like a love letter, we will fall more deeply in love with Jesus. So first of all, accept His forgiveness deeply and then take time to listen to Jesus and His love as revealed in the Bible. Now, we find in John chapter 12 that 
there's another depiction of what takes place when Mary comes and she anoints Jesus' feet. And in this depiction, something else is highlighted. Let's see if you can catch it, because you're Bible students. Let's see if you notice what's different here. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Now, now this is fascinating. Just, just a side note. This is six days before Jesus goes to the cross. And he is covered. He's bathed in this fragrant perfume. So for the next six days, he doesn't probably get a bath. He might have. We don't know for sure how it all worked. But can you imagine as he's breathing in that fragrance? Somebody loves him. Maybe even when he was there on the cross, everybody's rejecting him, everybody's turning their back on him. Maybe he still was smelling that perfume and remembering, hey, there's one person that got it. There's one person that got it. And he, and he, he actually tells Simon, hey, look, she did this for the day of my burial. She did this because I'm going to the cross. But that's a total side note. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Okay, so what is this verse emphasizing so far? Let's see if we can see a repetition of it in the next one. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Do you see what's being brought out in this? It's repeated again and again. Lazarus, the one who was raised from the dead, the one that Jesus raised from the dead, it says it twice, and then it repeats that, oh yeah, and they're, they're there having supper, and right next to Jesus is Lazarus. None of the other Gospels tell us this. But I think John wanted us to know something. That there is something motivating to Mary about the fact that Jesus is sitting next to Lazarus. That Lazarus is sitting next to Jesus. I mean, you think about it. If you're Mary, and you come into that room, and you see that Lazarus is there, and he's your brother that you lost, who was dead for three days, that you wept over for three days, that... Jesus brought back to life. And as you see Him there, it's so much easier to to pour out your love on Jesus, remembering the amazing thing that He did for you in raising your brother from the dead. Okay, so another helpful thing in our experience, so right after that it says, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped His feet with her hair. So we take time to listen to Jesus, and we need to cultivate gratitude, right? It helps us to fall more in love with Jesus if we cultivate gratitude for the things that he's done for us in our lives. Practical marriage tip, you want to love your wife more? Tell her every evening five things that she's done. Thank her for five things that she's done for you. You're going to find that you're going to start thinking, wow, she's a pretty awesome lady. She's done this for me. She's done that for me. You're going to practically, I'll, I'll tell marriage, in marriage counseling, I, I, I give that assignment to couples. Like, look, every night this week, you're going to find at least five things about this person that you're struggling with. Uh, you're going to tell them things that you appreciate about them. And that begins to direct your heart, your thoughts, into a positive feeling about that person. The same way with God. If we recount His blessings, if we think about the things He's done for us, and maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know what God's done for me. Ask Him to show you. Help. Ask Him to, to reveal it to you. And when He does, do something that I'm not very good at, I need to get better at, but take time to write it down. 
I encourage you, start a prayer journal. If you write it down, it is so incredibly valuable. And I'm going to share a story at the end today that I remember well because I wrote it down. And I can go back to that. And today I was nearly in tears reading it. It was moving me to remember how much Jesus did for me. And when you record it, when you remember it, it helps you, it helps you to remember it, I should say, uh, to cultivate that gratitude, that thankfulness for who Jesus is. Right? So we have accept his forgiveness deeply. Take time to listen. Set aside time to listen to Jesus in his word. And then cultivate gratitude. And you can do that by having a prayer journal. But just marking down every day some things that you're thankful for about Jesus. Now, okay, this is, this is where it gets really, really good. Look at John chapter 20. If you want to pull out your Bible to see this for yourself. John chapter 20 and verse 1. This is after Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected, but Mary and the disciples do not know this yet. So John chapter 20 and verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb when? Early. Notice the emphasis in this verse. She went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The emphasis here is that it was really early. It was so early that it was still dark outside when she went to the tomb. How many of you are early risers? Yeah, I don't, or or enjoy rising early, I should say. (laughs) Right? Most of us, that's not natural to us. We don't enjoy the early morning hours. But there is something powerful about meeting Jesus early in the morning. Going to find Jesus early in the morning. Starting our day looking for Jesus. If you start there, everything will change. And I'm going to give you a little secret that's going to help you to know that Jesus is active in your life. Okay, If you don't have something to thank God for... Use this promise. Pray it tonight. And I I want you to come back tomorrow and tell me if God did this for you or not. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, it says that the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that that I may sustain a weary one with a word. And then it says this, He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as a disciple. So when I was a kid... I would travel around with my parents and they would hold these seminars where they would talk to people about prayer. they talked talk to people about having a relationship with God. Most of it went way over my head. But my wife, when she began to become friends with my mom, my mom would tell her some of the same things and she began to hear that my parents would every... they, They would claim this promise that God would wake them up in the morning. God would wake them up really early in the morning. I knew that as a kid. My parents woke up really early, but I was like, hey, that's because they're old. They like to get up early. My mom would tell me, no, I used to not like it. I used to not like getting up early in the morning. I said, well, I don't know about that. That's my mom. She's just talking. But then, this girl that I'm dating, who's talking to my mom so much, she says, yeah, God's been waking me up really early in the morning. In fact, I'll just pray and I don't even set an alarm, but God wakes me up in the morning. I'm like, not you too. <laughs> You're crazy too. It's just, it's just a thing in your mind. You're just thinking about the time and, and you just wake up at that time. But pretty soon I realized, you know what? I gotta, I gotta try this for myself. I'm gonna give it a try and see what happens. So I was a theology major at Pacific Union College at the time and I began to, to, to pray this prayer. And I said, okay, God, wake me up tomorrow morning. And, I didn't really trust it, so I actually would set an alarm, and I'd say, God, could you wake me up before my alarm? 
And sure enough, it'd be like five minutes before my alarm, I'd wake up and be like, wow, that really worked. Let's see what happens tomorrow. And then the next day, and the next day, and pretty soon I said, you know what, okay God, I'm just going to fully trust you. And this is back in 2008, no, 2006 maybe, 2007. I honestly have not used an alarm in the morning since that time. And I mean, there's times when it's like you have an early morning exam and I hated waking up early in the morning. Or you got to go to the airport really early. And even my wife sometimes will be like, "Uh, you got to set an alarm. You're going to have to leave at 3 a.m. in the morning. God will wake you up in the morning. So how many of you use your cell phone as an alarm? Do you ever hear that same ringtone going off on somebody else's phone in the middle of the day? How does it make you feel inside? Angry? <laughs> Frustrated? That's what it used to be like for me. I'm like, oh no, oh, oh, I don't have to wake up. I'm already awake. It's okay. But when Jesus wakes you up, there's something different about it. There's something special about it. And you don't have that annoying awakening every morning by some loud noise. I'm telling you, Jesus will wake you up in the morning. Now, if you roll over, you can go back to sleep. And I've done that far too many times and I've slept through things before because my own fault, right? But, and I'm also going to warn you that sometimes Jesus will wake you up really early in the morning because He knows that you're going to need a lot of time with Him. But just get up and take that time with Him. Maybe He'll let you fall back asleep. But there's nothing like meeting Jesus early in the morning. Nothing like being there early, like Mary went to the tomb while it was still dark. Then verse 2 goes on to say this. So no, we're going to jump down to verse 10 actually. So then the disciples went away again to their home. So that they go to the tomb, the, the women are at the tomb, they actually see that it's empty, they run back, and, and then they tell the disciples, Peter and John, they have this epic race to the tomb, and they get there, and it tells us who won the race and all of that. And then it says this, the disciples left, the other women left, everybody has left the tomb. But I want you to get this, everybody has left the tomb except for one person. Look at the next verse. But Mary, look at this, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. Mary just wants to be Where Jesus is. Everybody else is going about their business. John and Peter are off about their business. The other women have gone back about their business. But she just says, I just have to be where Jesus last was. I just want to know where Jesus is. If you read the Bible like that, if you pray like that, you're going to have revelations of Jesus that will help you to fall so deeply in love with Him. And Jesus... I mean, look at what happened in this. This is incredible because verse 12 says, And she saw two angels in white sitting, one on one side and one on the other side where the body of Jesus had lain. And verse 12, Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Verse 13, She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? What are you looking for? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, 
If you have carried him away, tell, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Can you imagine that moment for, for Mary? All she wants is Jesus, and she hears her, her name called in that familiar tone. The one that she loved to sit at his feet just called her name, and everything changed. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, teacher, And look at this. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Do you see what Jesus just did? Jesus was on His way to heaven and He sees that Mary is sitting at the tomb, that Mary is weeping at the tomb, that Mary just won't leave. Everybody else has gone about their business, but Mary is still at the tomb. And so Jesus, He's on His way to be enthroned in heaven. He's on His way to be accepted before the Father in heaven. And as He's going there, there's going to be a huge celebration in heaven. On His way there, He stops to see Mary. He pauses all of that celebration, all of that going back to heaven because somebody really wants to see Him. And man, when you want to see Jesus, He's going to show up for you. When He means that much to you. When, when you just won't leave, you say, okay, I woke up early and I'm staying here until I see you, Jesus. I mean it. I'm not going to go to work. I'm, I'm going to miss school. You better show up for me. Jesus loves to show up when you're persistent about looking for Him when you're sitting at His feet. So we see that Mary accepted the forgiveness. She took time to listen to Jesus. And it was early in the morning. She didn't leave until she saw Him. And then we see this principle of cultivating gratitude, a prayer journal. And then one final thing. Look at what Jesus says to her. This is amazing because she's a woman. She's living in a society where men are the one who do all the important things. And Jesus says to her, but go to my brethren. (laughs) Go to the disciples. Go to the future leaders of the church. Go to those who are going to tell the world about me. You be the very first one on this planet to know that God raised His Son from the dead. Say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. So after you get those revelations about Jesus, don't keep them to yourself. Share whatever He tells you. you got to tell people the good news. Say, hey, when you're going through your day, like, oh man, you wouldn't believe what Jesus showed me this morning. You, you won't believe how Jesus encouraged me, how He helped me. The more that you have that practical experience with Jesus... People are going to start asking you, man, why do you got that smile on your face all day? Why do you have that peace in your heart? You can begin to tell them, look, I met with Jesus this morning. And he met the need of my soul. He satisfied me and I'm walking with him today. And I just want to tell you that you got a friend named Jesus. And he's out to save you too. So, I want to share a story that comes from my prayer journal that helps me understand how this can happen on a a, a full scale. It kind of illustrates a lot of these different points. Now you're going to notice that this story happens back in 2000, I think it was 15. And so when I tell it to you, I don't want you to think that this is what happens to, to Zach every single morning when he wakes up and he reads the Bible that God just shows up to him and shows him all these incredible things. The Word of God, Jesus says that that 
It's like bread to us, right? We shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In the morning, you eat, whether you have an extravagant feast to eat, you go to that buffet or whatever it is, or if you just have to grab some oatmeal, a granola bar, you still eat. It's the same way with the Bible. We eat, whether it's that extravagant feast or not. We take the time to be in the Word day in and day out. And those feasts will come, those days that are incredible. And then there's other days you don't know for sure what you got out of it, but you're still walking with Jesus. You're still connecting with Him through His Word. Well, it was back in 2015. I was at a pastor's and educator's retreat at Mount Hermon, not far from here. And during this retreat, I was talking to some friends about, you know, do you think God, how specific is God's will for our life? Does He like really want to have a say in the details of our life? Does He really want to, to help me? I mean, they kind of laughed at me and their other pastors were like, this guy's gone off his rocker. I was like, does, does, does He care how many bites of food I eat? Does He like, you know, does He want to direct like every step that I take? I mean, how specific is His will for me? And how, how, how intimate does He want to be in instructing me in my life? Well, during that time, I would call my wife each night because it was a pastor's and educator's retreat that families couldn't come to. And I would tell her what's going on at the meeting. She's like, well, what's everybody excited about? I was like, well, honestly, you know what they're most excited about? It's what happened tonight. So if if I see a bunch more people tomorrow night, I'm going to know why. Because there's giveaways, right? Giving away CDs, you're all showing up. And if you came late, now you know to come early so you can get the the, the giveaways tomorrow night if if they're having more. Anyway, uh, so... Every meeting, they would give away $50 gift cards. And to a pastor, I'm like, wow, $50 gift cards. This is incredible. And all the other pastors and teachers, they're, they're there early. They're there with their raffle tickets. They're holding them like, ah. And everybody's cheering and, and hoping that it's their number. And then they're all disappointed when it's not their number because only one person gets it out of 300 people. So I told Leah about this. I was like, yeah, everybody honestly is most excited about the gift cards. She's like, well, win a gift card. I was like, okay, well, yeah, sure, I'll do that. One out of 300. She's like, well, I'm going to... We talked about, well, let's pray for it. Let's pray that you win, it, win something. It's like, well, if you're going to pray for something, pray that I'll win it on the very last day of the retreat because they said on the last day they're giving away a Samsung tablet and they're giving away uh, the newest iPad. So, so pray that I win that. I mean, who cares about a $50 gift card and compared to a brand new iPad? That would be what we would want Jesus to do. So we got to the, the last night before the next day would be our final day. I call her and I'm talking to her on the phone. She's like, did you win a gift card yet? I said, no, keep praying because nothing's happened yet. I said, then pray for tomorrow morning because that's when the big gift happens. Well, that night I prayed, Lord, would you wake me up tomorrow morning? He woke me up really early. I, don't, I didn't write that part of my journal, but I think it was like 3 a.m., So really early, it's still dark out. I'm like, okay, Jesus, why do you have me up? Well, it so happened that it was my birthday. So I'm, I was excited that I got to be up early and I got to spend time with Jesus and I'm just talking to him and, and suddenly I began to think about it. You know, on your birthday, it's all about you and it's all about, I didn't have anything to do with my birth, to be honest. I didn't do anything to get there. Uh, I said, you know, God, I don't know why people celebrate me on this day. But what could I do to make this a happy day for you? And he directed me, I was reading, I think, Psalm 50 that day, and verse 23 says, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. It's like, well, God, 
Can you give me something today that I could praise you for, that I could share this with people, that I could, you know, if, if, if you give me that opportunity, I'll share it. He also impressed me that, hey, there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. I said, Lord, could you help me to be able to win people to you, to, that they could see your love for them, so there could be joy in heaven? Well, I ended up going, uh, and I also prayed and remembered what my wife said. And, and by the way, it'd be really cool if you'd help me to win that iPad today. I told Leah I'd pray for that. And so if, you, if I could win the iPad, that'd be fantastic. Well, I went to this morning prayer time before breakfast, and at this prayer time, they were talking about this school and how much this school was in need, and that the school is about to close down. And I got to thinking about it. The school at the church where I was moving to to pastor was about, had five students and was on the brink almost of closing down too, it felt like. Well, I thought about that a little bit. Anyway, they, at the at the meeting, they took up an offering for this school, and it was $4,000, and everybody was so excited about it. But I'm still thinking about this, this iPad giveaway. And then suddenly, God impressed me. Actually, maybe this was early in the morning. He impressed me. He reminded me of a story where I had gone to meet with a, another Bible study contact in Modesto, where I was pastoring at the time, and I had talked to him about his life and his son, and he was saying, you'll never guess what happened to my son. He was at this big uh, get-together, and they had this raffle for this huge widescreen TV. And he said, you know what, if I win that, I'm going to give it away to the youngest cadet in the room. He was in the military. And sure enough, he won the TV, and he gave it away to the youngest cadet in the room. And suddenly this story popped into my mind in the morning. And, and sometimes God will impress you through stories. Sometimes he'll impress you through other things. And I said, you know what, God? If I win that iPad, I'm going to give it away. Is that what you're telling me to do? Well, the day goes on. And as we're there in the meetings, the, the Samsung tablet drawing comes and it goes. And I didn't win anything. It's getting to the time to the last meeting when they're finally going to do this drawing for the iPad. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, God, well, I'm going to give it away. Well, who would I give it away to? What do you want me to do with the iPad if you, if you gave it to me as a birth? That's crazy. Why am I even thinking about this? Okay, well, God, if you want me to, I'll give it away. Who do you want me to give it to? And then suddenly that whole thing about the school popped into my mind. And I thought about our teacher. And I said, okay, I'll give it to our school. If I win, why am I even... Sometimes you wonder why you're praying the prayers that you're praying. The Holy Spirit may be moving in your heart to pray that prayer. So they begin to read off the ticket numbers. And, you know, everybody's excited for the first three numbers. They read one, three, four, and everybody's cheering because they all have one, three, four. And then there's seven, and everybody's... What's the next one? one? One, and everybody's... Well, now there's about a hundred people that could still be cheering. And then they, they kind of are elongating the process. And then seven. And now there's just a ton of sighs and frustration throughout the room because now you're down to ten people. And suddenly it hits me as I'm there talking to Jesus. And they took a long time before they read the last number. I don't think you brought me. You woke me up at 3 a.m. this morning. 
You gave me this idea to give away the iPad. You've had me praying about it, and it's just a crazy, silly little drawing. But and it's my birthday, and and I've asked that I could do something for you today. I don't think you brought me this far. And I actually began to stand up before they read three. And I was walking down the aisle, and somebody yelled out, "It's his birthday!" And they all started singing "Happy Birthday." And I realized. That God is delightful. It can be the smallest little thing, but to know that the God of the universe takes time to talk to you, to give you ideas of what to do, and and I went ahead and gave the iPad away to the the teacher. I made an announcement, like bring her up here, and we gave her gave it to the the school. She was in tears, and she said, "You have no idea how much the school needs new technology. You don't know what you've just done." Driving home that day, I was just in tears the whole, almost the whole way home, just realizing how real God is, how active He is in our lives. To know that He cares to direct our lives, that He wants to communicate with us, that He looks at you as a precious child, and He wants you to fall more deeply in love with Him. So, will we sit at His feet? We take time every day to look and look and look for Jesus, not leaving until we find Jesus, but we read His Word like a love letter. I want to challenge you. Challenge you to have this experience that Steps to Christ talks about. When Christ dwells in the heart, the soul will be so filled with His love, with the joy of communion with Him, that it will cleave to Him. So excited about talking with Jesus that you're cleaving to Him, you're you're brought close to Him. And in the contemplation of Him, self will be forgotten. Love to Christ will be the spring of action. Those who feel the constraining love of God and aim at perfect conformity to the will of their Redeemer. With earnest desire, they yield all and manifest an interest proportionate to the value of the object which they seek. A profession of Christ without this deep love is mere talk, dry formality, and heavy drudgery. Let's not have that anymore, huh? I want less of that in my life. I'll be honest, there is still that areas areas of my life where I'm still just going through the motions and I want it to be love for Jesus that is everything for me. And how do I do that? Every day. Accepting His forgiveness more and more deeply. And we'll talk a little bit more about how how to pray for our hearts to be cleansed more deeply, but... Then it says, take time to listen to Jesus. Just like Mary, she took time at the feet of Jesus. Every time you find her, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's blocking out time for Jesus. And one fantastic way to do that, and I just want to know, anybody willing to do it, you're going to pray the prayer. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. You can open your Bible and, and, and highlight this promise. What is it? Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. Anybody want to do that? You're going to pray tonight. Like, Lord, wake me up tomorrow morning. You can still set an alarm. you got to get to work or whatever. But say, hey, wake me up before my alarm. You guys aren't very brave. I'll just be honest. Anybody else? I mean, just, just asking to wake you up tomorrow morning and see what happens. If it's, don't blame me if it's really early in the morning. It just says that he wants to spend extra time with you. And then tell us tomorrow night, if God woke you up, I want, I want to know that God woke you up tomorrow morning. And that can be something where day in and day out you realize, i got a really personal friend who cares enough to nudge me, to tap me, to wake me up because he wants to spend time with me. And don't leave until you see Jesus. 
cultivate gratitude and, and journal. Write that stuff down because you don't want to forget it. Read and then share it. with Share what he tells you with everybody possible. I want to read this book like a love letter. I really want to fall in love with Jesus more than ever before. If that's your desire too tonight, I just want to invite you to stand as we pray together. If you just say, hey, I, I really want to know Jesus. I really want to have this love relationship with him. Just go ahead and, and stand as I pray before Kaya comes up to sing another song for us. Father, we're standing because we really want you. Mary went the distance of going as close as she knew to find the place where you were at and you paused everything on your way to heaven to say hi to her. And Jesus, I pray for each of my friends here that every morning you'd wake them up and that they would recognize that you're putting everything on hold sometimes just to be with them, to reveal yourself to them. Show them what a personal, loving God you are, how you want to give them practical instructions for for their life, to show them the way that they should go. Father, most of all, May we accept Jesus and the love that he has for us. May it sink in deeply so that love becomes the spring of all the actions in our life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.